Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening, for subscribing. You guys are the reason that we do exactly what we do every single day. So thank you. You know, we, we uh, Jesus in his time with the disciples, when he was talking to the disciples and was, um, uh, they would ask him questions. And a lot of times we have this picture of some of the disciples has been kind of like thick headed, you know, asking these questions. And uh, Peter, especially putting his foot in his mouth and saying, you know, Jesus saying, I'm going to go to the cross. And he's saying, it'll never happen. And then Jesus is, get thee behind me, Satan. But, but through that dialogue, we have laid out for us what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. Here the people are that were called by him on day one, you know, and walked with him for over three years, followed him day in and day out, and were his disciples, right? The ones who recorded everything and the ones ultimately who changed the world after his his um, after Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. You think about it, the proof, the, what Jesus had to show for his ministry was the were 120 people in an upper room after the, the dust had settled. And he said, hey, I'm coming back. I mean, he didn't only say it once. He said, I'm coming back. He said he was specific to his disciples. That was the message. So when Jesus died, it was like everyone just scattered, right? And I think that's why when the preaching happened um, on the day of Pentecost, there was such a a huge response. 3,000 people responded, and then it was 2,000 the next day. It was like, because there were people who had been seeing Jesus all the way through, and it was a part of his message. Hey, I'm going to come, and then uh, I'm going to go, and then uh, it's going to be better because the Holy Ghost is going to come. And so he was laying the foundation for this. But through all of this, we get to see, through what Jesus said, um, we get to see what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. You know, one of the things that God wants to make clear, it's like, he used the parable of, of the person who counts the cost. He says, who, before he sets out to build a building, doesn't sit down and, and see, do I have enough money to do this? Do I have enough building supplies to do this? Who, before he goes to battle, doesn't look and say, hey, I have 5,000 troops. They have 12,000 troops. Let me go make a peace treaty. No one just, you know, fools rush in is the saying, right? Fools just rush in head first. Fools, Leroy Jenkins. Maybe some of y'all are too young to know what Leroy Jenkins is, but if you were in my video game heyday, you know who Leroy Jenkins is, but fools just rush in without knowing. Jesus wants us to know very specifically what it takes to serve him, what it, what the cost is going to be to serve Jesus. Um, a lot of us, for me, I was raised in the church. I got born again when I uh, my mom prayed the sinner's prayer with me at two years old, and then I went up to my first altar call. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, two years old. I went to my first altar call at, at three years old and got born again. I joke around and I say, man, when Jesus found me, I was illiterate. I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't even dress myself. I uh, couldn't pay any bills, but the Lord found me and saved me. And now I got a wife and I got a car and I got a house and praise God, I've got a job and I can write and read, right? I joke around. I was two years old, but um, but he wants us to know before we make a decision to serve him or, or, or as we've made a decision, as we progress, that we, he wants us to know what it's going to take to serve him. So a couple things here. What does it take to follow Jesus? Number one, it takes denying yourself. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, um, let me find it here. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I believe this message of deny yourself, it's kind of for some people, not everybody, but for some people lost in our generation. I believe now as a church, we're coming back to a place, as the body of Christ, back to a place of uh, fasting and praying, of, of understanding what it means to live a holy life, of, of sacrificing, making decisions um, 
based on the fact that we're waiting for eternity. You can look at someone's life. They can claim to be a Christian, but if there's no, uh, if there's no reservation in any area, if it's, if it's all just, hey, I'm living for today, you can tell that they aren't because people who are truly Christians, they guide their life by the fact that they're going to stand before God one day. I always compare it to Thanksgiving Day. You know, Thanksgiving Day at, around, at our house, it's 2 or 3 p.m., We've got Thanksgiving lunch, right? And that morning, I'm usually, my, my breakfast is my biggest meal of the day. Lunch is like second and the dinner is like the smallest. That's kind of normal for me. So biggest on, on down from morning to night. But on Thanksgiving day, it reverses. In the morning, I wake up, I drink coffee, I drink tea. I'll, I'll like eat something very light. I just want to put, uh, put water on the flames of hunger, right? Just until I can get to lunchtime and then I'm ready to, to eat. No one's waking up in the morning and stuffed going to the table. It's because you're waiting for something. There's something worth waiting for. There's a banquet table worth waiting for. And that's what it's like to be a child of God. You know, there is, a, there is the, the reality that God rewards us for serving him, that God has things that when we dedicate our life to him, he says, if we obey him and we serve him, that we'll spend our days in prosperity in our years in pleasure. God wants us to be joyful people. We should be more joyful than the people of the world, but the joy doesn't come from the outside things. It comes from the joy that's the, the living principle of joy on the inside of us, that living, breathing life of God, the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And so there's an element of deny yourself that's very important. Take up your cross, deny yourself. There's things you should be saying no to. There are places as a Christian you should not go. There are certain people as a Christian that you should not hang out with. And this is how, what it looks like to deny yourself. Matthew 19, 21, it was the rich, rich young ruler. And he said, I've kept all your commandments. And Jesus looked at him and says, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. That's not what he says to everybody. His commandment to everybody wasn't, hey, sell everything you've got. But for, for, for that rich young ruler, that was the hurdle. That was the thing that was keeping him from a real genuine relationship with God was his love for riches. You know, I think it's, it's very important that you you get money right. Jesus actually spoke more about money. It was in this order. The thing that he spoke the most about was money, was hell, and then it was heaven. So money is an important thing. We don't want to love money. We don't want it to be our, our, we don't want it to be the God in our life, but money is important. And so for us to, to understand that God, God wants us to be blessed, but ultimately it comes from money not being number one in our lives. When Jesus said to him, sell all that you have, money was an obstacle. He said in first Timothy, the Bible says, tell those who are rich. He didn't say to sell. He said, tell those who are rich. He didn't say sell all, all you have. He said, tell them to not to be proud, not to trust in riches, but to trust in God. And then to be generous to the needy and to, and to know what to do with their money. And so ultimately we're living for eternity. So number one, deny yourself. Number two, Jesus said in Matthew 4:19, he said, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Number two, what does it take to follow Jesus? Following Jesus always has a purpose and that purpose is people. I believe that, that the reason people struggle many times in their walk with God is because there's no outflow of the presence of God. There's no outflow of the gospel. The normal Christian life, all disciples of Jesus, which if you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Jesus, called to full-time ministry or not, all disciples of Jesus should be people who tell others about Jesus, who share the gospel. Your spiritual life will never be right until you tell others about people. 
the purpose of following Jesus. Following Jesus always has a purpose, and that purpose is always people. You know, the difference between your relationship with God now and your relationship with God in eternity is that right now, the souls of men and women still hang in the balance. People have this idea, yes, and, and, and our, our relationship with God is a love relationship with God, but, but your main focus in life, some people throw aside the, you know, it's not about what you do for the Lord that makes him love you. It's about just snuggling up with your father and spending time in his presence. And, and there's part of that that's true. You know, God, you can't do things to make God love you more uh, besides loving him. Uh, he, he, he doesn't love a sinner the same as he loves someone who's his child. Let's get that clear. But, um, but there is something to doing what he said. If he said, fulfill the great commission and you don't obey that, how are you even a child? Those who, those who obey his commandments are the ones who he calls children, right? You, sh- you show that you love him by your obedience. So if you're not fulfilling the Great Commission and going to all the world and preaching the gospel, going into your school, going into your workplace, knees shaking, right? But preaching the gospel. You're, you, when you see you, what you do makes an impact for eternity. When you share the gospel, you may be terrified, but you share the gospel with somebody. You, you see it makes a difference in someone's life. It's life-changing. There's nothing like it. You get addicted to it. Man, I'm, I need to tell more people about Jesus, but there's always a purpose. And so number three is take up your cross. What does it take to follow Jesus? Number three, take up your cross. What does that mean? You know, the cross is the, is the, the place of the testing point of Jesus' obedience. Cross, the cross was, first of all, the method of his death. Um, it's where he willingly accepted his sacrifice. The cross is an important place for every believer. Our cross is different. We don't die on the cross for everyone else's sins. That was Jesus' cross. But the cross for us is the price that we pay to serve him. Serving God has a price. Yes, salvation was free, but it costs us everything. It costs us big time in this world. You have to make a decision to stand up for God. You know, if, 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 you, if you couldn't say, hey, if someone came in and started insulting Jesus, if I was standing somewhere, if I'm in a subway and, and the subway's going and someone starts talking badly about Christians, you better believe I'm going to stand up and say something. Why? Because I've made up my mind. I, I want persecutions to come because of standing up for the gospel. It's part of what God has promised me. So if I get through my life without any persecutions, I didn't stand up like I should have. And that's the reality. So I don't want to be left out without persecutions. I don't want to be standing there in heaven and looking at Paul like you were whipped, you were all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of just easy for me. I I was actually never persecuted for the gospel. No, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up for the gospel and receive persecutions because of it. But that's me taking up my cross to follow him. That's me standing up for the gospel. And you, and you have to know that going in, that the gospel's going to cost you something. That to serve God, if, if Jesus is not worth standing up for, he's not worth serving. This isn't like, hey, I got my ticket to eternity. Let me put it in my pocket and walk away. And no one has to know. Let me hide this thing in my pocket. I've got, got my one-way ticket to heaven. No, love stands up for it. If someone came in the room and started insulting my wife, I don't care who you are. We're going to have an issue. And it, it most likely will get physical real quick because you're not doing that. This is my wife, right? And so it's the same thing. This is my God. This is the one who paid everything for me. If, if Christ is worth anything at all, 
he's worth everything. Because if the gospel is true, then it's worth selling your house. It's worth getting rid of anything. It's worth moving, it's moving across the country. It's, it's worth everything because of what it is. If there's actually a reality to eternal life, then it's worth my whole life. If it's worth anything at all, it's worth everything. And so we have that attitude of taking up our cross to follow him, that there's going to be sacrifice. What is that sacrifice for you? What is that sacrifice? For some people, man, they're still around that place of like, man, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd spend more time in the word, but I just get busy. And then, and then they're on Instagram four hours a day. Like you ain't even living the Christian life. That's not, you ain't even, you ain't even entered that realm yet. You, suffering. Talk to me about suffering. You can't fast and pray for one day, 24 hours without food, without food and doing just water. You know, that's actually in the Bible. I'm not telling you you need to go on a 40-day fast. You don't need to do that. I think only like five or six people in the Bible did that, and they had like assistance from angels. So unless the Lord tells you to do it, do not go on an extended fast. But, but doing something that is actually denying yourself, what is your sacrifice? God's going to send you down a road, and if you think it's going to be easy, and it's this road paved with, you know, oh, the Lord's going to make every crooked. Yes, he makes every crooked place straight, but that means you find crooked places. That means you run into difficulties. He says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That means there's difficulties. And the difficulties aren't just like, yeah, someone, you know, uh, I posted this picture and someone talked bad about what was going on. I posted this picture. People get crazy. Man, Christians get crazy over stuff. I saw this thing. This person posted a picture with an alligator and the person was like, I don't think this is God's work. Those alligators are in cages and they're trapped and they're, they're, it's mankind profits off of these animals. That's saying God's work. And it's like, come on, just relax. It's a stupid alligator. It doesn't have a soul. This thing doesn't go to heaven or hell. It's an animal. You can just relax. It's not as important as a person. I saw a, a thing today posted by a non-Christian, and it said, animals have just as right as human, be- just as much right as human beings to be on this planet. But you lost your mind. You putting a little monkey on the same category as me. I, I am way more important than all the animals of the world put together because I'm a, I'm, I have a soul. And you can ask God that. He would say the same thing. My son, Ryan Yusta, he's way more important than all the animals of the earth put together. Why? Because he's my son, because he's, he's a soul and his value is a lot higher. So take up your cross. And then lastly, as we wrap up here, the, the last thing is to, is to follow someone and to understand there will be suffering. Um, 1 Peter 2.21 says, um, here we go, it says, 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. I talked about it soon. I talked about it recently, um, or just a few minutes ago, but knowing that there will be suffering for the gospel's sake that there will be things in our life that if you decide, man, look for the opportunities to stand up for the gospel. Look for the opportunities. And and even some of these books, you know, like, uh, um, uh, what's that one? There was a DC talk, Jesus Freak, which talked about people who were persecuted. There were um, the Fox's Book of Martyrs that talk about people who stood up and were, it's good to read that stuff. It's good to keep that stuff in front of you. I, on Instagram, I subscribe to a lot of um, pages about Christian persecutions, and they show like what's happening. People who travel into the Middle East and see what's happening to Christians and in parts of uh, Northern Africa and stuff that's happening. I keep that stuff in front of my eyes. The Bible actually says, remember those who are in chains. 
you also yourself being in the body. I keep that stuff in front of my eyes because it makes makes it more real that there's there's something beyond th- this America where stuff is easy and where maybe we're getting a little bit of religious persecution for our belief. Like, and maybe someone will mock. You know, you stand up and someone might mock and say whatever. You know, I've had people who've laughed at me. I've shared the gospel and they laughed at me, whatever. But it's like little. There's real things happening. People who I read about a guy in Iran who took. For, he got caught taking communion and he received 80 lashes. And he's like, I, I'm going to do it again. You know, 80 lashes for receiving communion. And he's like, he's, he's like, the, Jesus is everything. He's everything to me. So taking up your cross and understanding, this is actually one of the very first things when I got, I say I got born again, again, but a number of years ago when I came out of a rela- uh, relationship and I just like, took a few weeks and turned off everything and got before the Lord. And I feel like I got born again, again. And the Lord showed me very clearly a couple things, but one of them was that there would be persecutions and to expect persecution for the sake of the gospel. God wants you to know that this is the price of admission of serving him. This is the cost to serving him. Persecution, uh, um, taking up your cross, denying yourself, and then understanding that the purpose of serving him is people. Serving him comes with a purpose. And then I want to end with following, along with following Jesus, is following someone. Hebrews chapter 6 says, uh, and we desire that every one of you, verse 11 and 12, every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you don't be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. If you don't have someone uh, who's a godly leader, someone who you're modeling your life after them. The Bible says you're being lazy, you're being slothful for not following someone. The Bible has it that that God puts spiritual authority there that we can follow. Whose faith are you following? Whose lifestyle are you imitating? Who do you look at? The man of God that you respect. What time does he wake up in the morning? What is his devotion like? Like you should have someone whose faith, someone who's doing life with God well, someone who's moving forward spiritually, and you should be copying them. If you, I, I heard a, I, I watched this thing about Kobe Bryant and the reason he was so good. And it talked about his workouts, like the average NBA player is working out like one or two hours a day. He would work out eight hours a day. He woke up, he had a, a morning workout. He came back, he ate. He, uh, he had a two-hour morning workout, came back eight, rested for a little bit around noon, another workout. There's a video about him talking about that. And he says, you know, I, I, I may not be better right away, but after years of years of eight-hour-a-day workouts and doing these workouts, he's like, he's distanced himself from the competition just because he's put in more work. What is the person that you look at and say, what is their life like? The Bible wants you to have someone whose faith that you're following. God wants you to uh, uh, grow up in him. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to, God wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it takes you committing to the process, you understanding what it takes to follow Jesus. Be prepared. The Lord's going to put on your heart things in the deny yourself category, things that you need to say, you know what? This may be fine for everybody else, but I'm distancing myself from everybody else. I'm going to serve God in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next time.